0: Welcome back to another episode of the Air Power Hour. Tech Sergeant Check here. And on this episode, I am joined by Tech Sergeant Allison Bell. Sergeant Bell is an enlisted recruiter out of Moline, Illinois. With 16 years of service under her belt, Sergeant Bell has held multiple positions in the United States Air Force. She started her career as an Air Force Honor Guard Firing Party member and conducted over 2,500 veteran funerals. From there, she went into Aerospace Medical where she had roles in pediatrics, cardiac ICU, and a deployment to Afghanistan. Fitness plays a large role in Sergeant Bell's life. As a recruiter, she competed in her first fitness model competition. While juggling recruiting and staying in peak physical shape, Sergeant Bell also decided to pursue her master's degree. Sergeant Bell has an amazing story, and it's safe to say she is reaping the benefits of being in the Air Force. So, without further ado, Tech Sergeant Allison Bell. Post assignment. All units for to for your post-assignment. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Air Power Hour. I'm the host, Tech Sergeant Check, and today I am joined by Tech Sergeant Allison Bell. She is an enlisted recruiter for the 347th recruiting squadron. Uh and Sergeant Bell, where are you recruiting right now?
1: Uh, so right now I am out of Moline, Illinois, kind of right along the Mississippi border between Illinois and Iowa.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome to the Air Power Hour. I'm glad to have you on.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I'm actually looking, I, I've heard some of your story and some of the things that you've done uh, since you've been in the Air Force. And I'm really excited for, for listeners to hear your story. And it's, it's, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm
1: excited. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Hopefully I could share a little bit of wisdom, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, well, we're just going to get right into it. Um, I apologize for anyone listening uh, if the audio isn't the what it's usually is, but um, Moline, Illinois is quite the drive. And I didn't want uh, Sergeant Bell to have to drive up here uh, to record the podcast. So we are doing this virtually. And I hope everything works out. Everything kind of seems like it's working out. Um
1: I mean, it sounds good from our end. So yeah, hopefully yeah. <laughs> it think, turns out okay.
0: Yeah. It, I think it'll be good. So yeah. Sergeant Bell, what made you first, let me ask, how long have you been in the Air Force?
1: Um, it'll be 16 years on Monday, actually.
0: Wow. Well, yeah, congratulations. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. it's a nice little, nice little pay bump too, you know?
1: It is, yeah. Well, four of those years actually were in the reserves, so um, okay. it kind of doesn't equivalent to exactly sixteen years, you know. But ah, gotcha. with active and reserves, yes, it'll be sixteen years. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So, Sergeant Bell, what does what made you decide to join the Air Force?
1: Uh, well, I actually went to college for about a year and a half after high school. Um, was not doing very well at it you know i was 18 19 years old and yeah. to be honest was not really focusing on class like i should have oh yeah uh yeah parents were helping me out with college and when they realized i wasn't paying attention they kind of cut that off they're like you got to do something else we're not paying for it yeah so i had no idea what i wanted to do um so a friend had actually um said hey why don't you check out the military they have some good options so Went and talked to every branch recruiter actually, and the Air Force one. And my experience was the only one that was just brutally honest with me. Like, hey, I can't yeah. get you all this, but I can do this for you. I can get you out of the area. I can get you a steady paycheck, you know. So, they seem to be the only ones that were really upfront with me. So mm-hmm. that's kind of why I chose the Air Force.
0: Awesome. And where did you go to? Where are you where are you originally from?
1: I'm originally from the Bay Area in California, Northern California.
0: Okay. And where'd you go to school?
1: Uh, college or high school? College. I went to Fresno. Oh no. Nice. Fresno State.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I'm a I'm a big football fan, Devontae Adams. He went to Fresno State, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, never got the chance to meet him, obviously, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, it was a good school. I just didn't pay attention to class, unfortunately. Hey,
0: I totally understand. <laughs> I you know, if anybody listening to this podcast has gone back and listened to the host introduction, I did the same exact thing. I mm-hmm. You know, I I followed the whole, you go to high school, you graduate, you go to college and it didn't work out for me. Um, I was just not interested in doing school at that time. And Mm -hmm. so I totally understand where you're
1: from. Especially when you're that age, a lot of, I think the majority of kids don't know fully what they want to do yet either. So I was kind of taking classes in so many different avenues just to see what I liked. and again, yeah. because I wasn't forking over the full bill. They were like, yeah, that's not going to fly either. Right. So
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. I figured
1: the military just gave me a shot. to one, not only earn a paycheck and all that, but figure out what I wanted to do also in the long run.
0: Yeah, for sure. So when you decided to join the air force, um, mm-hmm. what job when you spoke with recruiter and, and when you went up to basic training, what job did you have?
1: Um, I actually came in ap- mechanical aptitude. So open mechanic, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, Never actually did mechanical though. I in boot camp, I just happened to be in the, the right week, the right time where the Air Force Honor Guard came and did a presentation. They were needing people and um that sounded like a really cool opportunity. So I kind of applied, went through their screening process and everything and got picked up for that. So I went wow. straight to the honor guard after boot camp.
0: So uh Air Force Honor Guard, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, out of DC.
0: Out of DC. Wow. Yeah. Now that's that's very interesting. Uh What exactly does that entail? What did you do as uh, an honor guardsman?
1: So um, still had tech school and everything for just the regular ceremonies. But after tech school, you actually get put into one of three categories, either color guard, which is like the flags and things like that, firing party or the body bears carrying the caskets and things like that. So I got picked up for firing party. So my main job was the firing of the three volleys at funerals, military funerals. Um, But I also participated in just overall ceremonies, like at the tomb, the White House, Pentagon, things like that. But uh, yeah, my main job was the firing party, the three volleys and stuff. So wow. I was there for a little over three years and fired on roughly twenty five hundred funerals.
0: Holy cow!
1: And that was just just Air Force because every branch has their own. Yeah, you know their own honor guard.
0: And now you said twenty five hundred. How do you, how does one get that those honors?
1: Um, so like I said, out of tech school, you kind of get, that's just basic overall stuff. Then when you went straight into honor, got picked up for the firing party, um, we had to go through like another, I guess you would call it like a sub tech school to learn how to do those firings and stuff like that. Um, we roughly at, we did the majority of our uh, funerals at Arlington National Cemetery. Okay. They, there was five days a week, one, at least five every day for five days a week. Um, okay you started off just doing the ceremonial flight, meaning like for officers who got that higher honor and things like that, just marching in the flights until you proved to the higher up firing parties, essentially that you can actually fire on the funerals. You can know how to do all the movements properly and everything like that. So that was probably another three months of training before I actually got to fire on my first funeral and do that.
0: And who gets this, who gets these, it's not just every person. um, You have to be in the air force or, or some sort of veteran to, to get the, those honors, correct?
1: Yeah. So for the, in order to get the military honors for your funeral, you do have to be a veteran, which is three years of active duty. Um, it can be, we had done reserves, we've done, um, active duty, we've done retirees, veterans, things along those lines. So yeah, three years of active duty time with an honorable discharge, you get those, um, if you're enlisted, you get the firing party and the body bears and the like the bugle uh, playing taps. If you're an officer, then you get all those with the um, horse drawn, like the carriage kind of thing with your casket yeah. on there, as well as the honor flight. If you're an O three 3 or above, that's when you get like the honor flight, which is like an entire flight of, um, I think, like 21 people marching in formation wow. and things like that. And the actual Air Force band as well.
0: Dang. That I mean... So when I was stationed in Dover, I did reverse dignified transfers. So the mortuary affairs was there. And basically if a fallen hero came back, they would process everything in there in Dover. And then me and I think it was five other people would, we would carry the casket to a private jet. They had like a, a charter that would take the fallen soldier home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, that was really heavy stuff. So I can imagine that doing that for three years, uh, that was probably pretty, pretty heavy emotionally for you, huh?
1: It is. Yeah. Um, I would say, I I don't want to say I had it better, but being firing party, we were a distance away from the family, you know, obviously firing the three volleys, um, the body bears, you know, being up close and personal with the family, holding the flag over the casket and such they had. Some stories, obviously, of family and things like that, um, especially when it involves, like, their children are there, you know, little kids oh, they yeah. don't fully understand. So, some of those stories are really difficult to hear and actually see, you know, you could hear the crying and just the pain and everything um, with it. So, you, unfortunately, have to kind of desensitize yourself to it or else it would yeah. just, like I said, multiple funerals in a day, Yeah. Um, you do have to kind of distance yourself, but also be very respectful as you can.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's a, I mean, that's an extremely honorable thing that you did uh, for three years. And did you even imagine that that was something that you would be doing uh, when you first initially decided to join the air force?
1: I did not. This was a first, uh, yeah. I I mean, you know, when you see things televised and stuff like that, you obviously see that, but you don't take into consideration that side of the military, you know? Um, but on top of the funerals, I did get to do a lot of other cool things. You know, the, like I said, jobs at the tomb of the unknown, the white house, the Pentagon. Um, I got to fire, I was on the firing party for chief airy, the first chief Sergeant in the air force. I fired on his funeral, which is really cool. Um, I was part of president Obama's first inauguration as well. So I got to do a lot of other really exciting stuff. Um, Obviously the Air Force is not the the guards at the tomb and stuff, but we did get to work with them and it was kind of funny hearing stories of them because they're on guard 24 seven, you know, talking about things that they hear at night when the graveyard is just silent and stuff. So it's kind of cool, like getting that other aspect of it and that side of things. It was a a really like honorable experience.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you did that for three years and Mm -hmm. what, what happens after that? Where do you go?
1: Um, so the honor guard is just like a special duty. You could only do it for, you know, three or four years. Then you do have to cross train into like an actual career field. Um, so from there, I looked to see what jobs were available and I cross trained into aerospace medical. Um, so I left for that in 2010. I went to Texas for my tech school for that.
0: So not even anything close to like a mechanical job. No, not at all. (laughs) Now, how how did that work? Did you just get to, when you were finished with the honor guard portion, did you just get to pick any job or did it have to be open? And do you have to be ASVAB qualified?
1: Yeah. So you did have to be ASVAB qualified and it did have to be open. Um, Essentially what I did was on the assignment management system, you kind of go there, see what's available for your rank and you just put in for it. You just needed a letter from, you know, your commander saying that your time was done there and put in for it. So I got fortunate enough to be picked up for medical at that time.
0: Yeah. And then, once you got picked up i'm I'm guessing that you had to go to tech school,
1: yeah, correct in uh Texas
0: nice so aerospace medical what 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 kind of uh stuff are you doing with aerospace medical and and where did you go after you went to tech school?
1: Ah uh, so medical was actually really fun, um just because you get trained in all areas of the hospital, so yeah. my first duty assignment after that was Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri. Okay. um I worked in pediatrics when I first got there and just a regular pediatric clinic. And then from there, got transferred to ambulance services um, at the same base. So, I got to work there. And then I PCS to Travis Air Force Base in California, worked in just the regular clinic, family medicine clinic, and then got transferred to the ICU. So, I got to work in the ICU over there. So, medical is really awesome. Like I said, you get to work on all over the hospital i really loved working in the icu at the time at travis we were the only cardiac icu there so people were going in for heart surgeries and stuff like that and getting to treat them afterwards and just oh wow. i i don't want anybody to get hurt however it's cool to see that aspect of it you know as being a medic you want to be yeah. there to help people um so getting to work and all do that all different experiences was a lot of fun and then i Got off of active duty in 2016 to focus on getting my bachelor's, but stayed in the reserves as a medic. And then I deployed with my reserve unit in 2018 to Afghanistan. And that's when I kind of realized how much I missed the military camaraderie, being around military all the time. And that's when I wanted to transfer back and I came back as a recruiter.
0: Yeah. And I I don't think that people really fully understand like you said you were in a cardiac ICU uh, on a base.
1: Yes, at Travis because we had actual a heart surgeon there. Um, one of the officers there was a heart surgeon, so they were actually open to up, open up pretty much like a cardiovascular unit there um, when I was there. So that was an awesome experience because I believe now it's shut down because that officer either got out, retired, or moved bases. But yeah, yeah.
0: that's that's crazy to think. I mean, uh, not a lot of people, especially the general population, they don't they don't fully understand what we have available for us on these bases. I mean, I know Travis mm-hmm. Air Force Base is massive. And mm-hmm. to have a fully functioning ICU there um, a lot of people just think that we have barracks and uh, runways, you know, so yeah, it, everyone, really cool.
1: Yeah. Everyone, every time I always say I'm with the air force, cause obviously being a recruiter. We're not always attached to a base. So yeah. we're kind of, a lot of people don't know much about the military or especially air force. Like say oh, I'm the air force recruiter. Oh, what do you fly? It's like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I have no experience with an aircraft minus putting patients on, but. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. Like I guess the majority of air force bases, I think just have like maybe small clinics and things like that, but we have quite a few that actually have full blown hospitals, ICUs, ERs okay. and everything else. So.
0: Yeah. I always, when I was a recruiter, I always told, uh, they'd always ask, you know, do you fly a plane? And I said, yeah. And then <laughs> I would say that I, you didn't see it. I parked it out in the parking lot. <laughs> it's
1: really, right out there. Go look. Yeah. No way. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that that's really cool. And you, you deployed to Afghanistan. How how was the deployment?
1: Um, mixed. Um, yeah. I was specifically I worked with ERPS, the in-route patient staging. So our main job was to get um civilian patients that were unfortunately caught in the crosshairs of fighting out there. So we would bring them on base to get um care, things like that, and then take them off base. And then we were also responsible for If there was something going on off base, the Blackhawks had to go pick up those patients. We were responsible for getting them off the Blackhawks, triaging them and getting them into the hospital there. And then also when they were stable enough getting them, arranging their transport to um, an aircraft as well to get them back overseas, usually to like Germany to a higher level of care and things like that. So the experience was awesome. Getting to meet and do a lot of cool stuff. Obviously, different countries are over there and everything like that. So getting to work with all those people was amazing. Um, I personally, thankfully never left the base. Cause again, I'm a hospital medic. That's what I was doing, but seeing a lot of the people and what they dealt with, you know, when they had to go off base and seeing the casualties from that could be difficult as well. Um, but just to be, say I was a part of that and everything, like I said, it, it was a cool, cool experience. I would do it again. Um, and just being in there was, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's gotta be super rewarding. You know, you, you, you're right there. And, uh, you see it firsthand and then you get to be able to act and, and, and put your skills and your experience to use and and be able to help those people. That is, that has got to be an aw- awesome feeling.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, um, and I would say when I was there, um, and before it shut down, we actually had a 98% survival rating. So if you came wow. to that, if you came to that hospital alive, chances are you were leaving alive. So wow. That's actually really cool to say. We had amazing doctors, amazing medics working there and everything that took really good care of the people.
0: Yeah, that's and again, coming into the Air Force as a mechanical aptitude, who would (laughs) have thunk in (laughs) Afghanistan uh, treating patients? That that is super cool.
1: Right. Yeah. Complete kind of 180 from working on planes to people. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. So, I know that you are really big into physical fitness. Uh, Yes. How did that, how did that fitness journey begin and, and what made you decide to, to kick it up a notch and, um, take it further?
1: Um, so I've always played sports ever since I was little, you know, always physically active and things like that. When I was stationed in California in 2012, my roommate at the time, she was actually a bodybuilder competitor and she kind of got me into that lifestyle and things like that and going to watch her compete. I was hooked just seeing how dedicated they were and how driven all those people were um, was really amazing. And then obviously being a recruiter and the honor guard, it's, I don't want to say it's publicized, but the honor guard, especially was very publicized. You had to look a certain way and being a recruiter, like I said, you're not attached to a base. So sometimes I'm the only air force representative people know. So you want, you know, you want to showcase the air force in a good light.
0: Heck yeah. Um,
1: so kind of got into that. And then I, got set up with a personal trainer here who was a bodybuilder competitor as well. So it kind of took off from there and was able to compete in my first competition last year in April with her um, and my fiance as well. He competed also. So, and I will say my leadership with it has been amazing, very supportive, um, wanting to get like some air force swag to take there to kind of hand out.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: what do you need? I'll give it to you. And the commander actually called me the night before and wished me luck and everything. So that's yeah, awesome. everyone's yeah, just been very supportive and everything like that. So, yeah, it's been yeah. awesome.
0: And I know how stressful recruiting is. Uh, I was a recruiter. I know that your the hours are kind of all over the place and 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 everything like that. How do you, how do you find a balance to be able to maintain that that priority of fitness and also, I mean, you're doing awesome down there in iFlight. I see it from an operations perspective. So, how do you balance that?
1: Um, it's not always easy. Um, sometimes it's long, you know, wake up earlier, stay up late kind of thing. Um, I will say, and I'm sure my fiance could attest to that. I was not always happy all the time. I was kind of grouchy sometimes. Um, but again, like working out and stuff like that, getting my deppers involved, like going to do a workout and stuff like that, obviously not lifting weights and everything like that, but just doing that and kind of keeping them motivated that way. Yeah. You just have to really set your sights on what you want and just work for it. And honestly, after a while, it just becomes a habit, making sure you meal prep and stuff. You know, I spent two days out of the week or dedicated, you know, two hours to meal prepping and doing all that other stuff. So it wasn't always easy, but you do definitely have to be organized. Um, I carried around my planner and every hour essentially was accounted for doing something. So
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I know that that can be really, really tough, but You know, you set a goal for yourself and you, you made it a priority. Shout out to your fiance. I'm I'm sure (laughs) he uh, was there to support you when you were, you know, like, I don't really want to do this today. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's awesome that you have a team and you had the support uh, to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, And I do want to talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, You said you got selected to be a recruiter. Did you go through the uh, developmental special duty program?
1: No. So coming over from reserves to back to active duty is very difficult. Um, it took me two years to get back. You know what I wanted. I originally started as soon as I got back from my um, deployment in 2018, um, reached out to a recruiter, the local recruiter there. And I said, she's like, I want to come back. Don't care what it takes. And put a package in that year. Unfortunately, medics. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know we're under or sorry, overstaffed for medics. So you can't really go back medical at the moment. Yeah. So I was like, just put me in whatever you can. And didn't get picked up the following year. It's like, oh well recruiter's open. It's like, I don't know much about it, but let's go. <laughs> and yeah. Um, so essentially it was kind of like just the regular prior service. Um, like I did have train. to take, yeah. Um, uh, once I put recruiter on my list, I did get some additional steps back. So I guess it was what you talked about, the specialty. So I did have to submit like almost like a resume, like an essay, a picture uh-huh. of me in like yep. uniform and stuff like that. So yeah, I did have to go through all those steps as well.
0: That's awesome. And then from there, uh, where you were, you were in California. Yes. And you went off to recruiting school and that's when I'm assuming you got your assignment to Moline.
1: Um, I actually knew my assignment before I left for recruiting school. So when I officially got picked up for it and they sent me the dates of tech school, it was about two months away and they gave me, me a list of all the openings i could go to um i got a list of about maybe 10 locations and they said give us your preference of what you want i sent it back in a week later congratulations you got moline illinois i was like don't know where it is but all right
0: <laughs> and and where on that that ranking where on that, that list where was moline
1: uh, <laughs> out of about 10 locations it was probably like six or seven
0: okay um
1: it I didn't know much because I had been at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, which is about five hours away from here. Yeah. Um, so I had been kind of in the Midwest. So I was like, I didn't necessarily want to come back here. However, I've, I am happy I came here. You know, the people here are amazing. The cost of living is so much better yeah. than California.
0: <laughs> yeah, for um,
1: sure. Yeah. The only thing I'm not a huge fan of is the weather. It's kind of all over the place within like a, such a short time. You know, it could be snowing in the morning and summer in the afternoon kind of thing so still been here almost three years still getting used to that
0: do you have any snow down there because we don't have anything up here
1: we got kind of some flurries yesterday but they didn't stick um so it kind of looked like it was just rained but it was was snowing for a couple hours yesterday
0: it's just it's just dreary up here it's just (laughs) cloudy and kind of depressing so
1: it is because the sun goes away at like four o'clock it seems yeah. it doesn't come back out till 8 a.m so it's and yeah I'm it's very dark <laughs>
0: when the sun goes down i'm ready for bed so it's like uh,
1: exactly you know, Nope. Yeah. You tr- got to try to trick yourself to actually stay awake
0: yeah so you become a recruiter and you come out to moline illinois um how has your time in recruiting been so far it's been about what two years now
1: it'll be three years in may
0: Awesome. And how has your time been here?
1: Um, it's had its ups and downs, just like any job. I will say the downfall would be I was actually in recruiter school when COVID kicked in. So Ooh. recruit recruiter training got cut short for me, for my class by right. like three weeks. So getting here, not being able to, you know, do what a recruiter normally does and go out to schools and do all that. Yes. And then getting here and obviously being recruiters were kind of spread out. So the one recruiter who was about the office about 15 minutes away was still here only because her orders obviously got cut because of COVID, you know, she was stuck here. So thankfully she was able to help me out a little bit, but it, that part was not fun. Kind of trying to learn on my own almost essentially. Yeah. Um, Cause she was, she was worried about PCSing, and getting her family and everything ready to go. And my supervisor was about an hour and a half away. Mm. So it was, it was kind of difficult. Um, and then, I was, I think, one of the first new recruiters to get here. Sergeant Lacey, who is now gone, was the one that had been here the longest. But again, he was an hour and a half away. Yeah. And the two other – three other new recruiters for my flight that came in came in after me. Okay. So that part was difficult. Um, but once you kind of get the swing of things, as long as you're okay talking to crowds and can kind of talk to people, this job really isn't that bad. Um, it's It's been kind of nice going out and talking to people things like that. Sometimes it's a little difficult. You forget how you were when you were 17 and 18 years old. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, having to just know how to talk to people and stuff like that, but it really hasn't been bad and getting involved with the community doing like, I know me and Sergeant Morgan just did the a couple months ago. Now I apologize the Halloween parade and getting to go out there and see people. Yeah. So parts of it are actually a lot of fun. So I really yeah. don't mind it.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely love recruiting. I was a recruiter for four years, and then returned to my career field. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in my old career field, and I just, I just kind of had a come to Jesus moment, and I was like, I just, I'm not passionate about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And my passion was in recruiting. I loved helping people. I loved talking to communities and and influencers, and and being able to help recruiters now in the position I'm in. So, um, yeah, I, I I love that aspect of the job and uh, I'm very blessed to be back here. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if, if <laughs> sure. I, I wasn't, but I do understand how stressful it is recruiting. And I, when I recruited in 2012, 2016, there was no COVID. Um, I can only imagine how difficult it is to go to tech school, learn how to be a recruiter, a certain type of recruiter, get cut short go out into the field and be like that is not how we're recruiting right now Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it stops and you learn how to do that process of not being a you know recruiter that we're taught how to be right learn a new way and then all of a sudden COVID's done and it's like okay now we're gonna go back to what you (laughs) learned in tech school uh two years ago so right
1: And they, it's also hard going to tech school as a recruiter, because as I'm sure, you know, and other recruiters do every area is very different. So some of the instructors could have came from like California or Texas, where recruiting is, you literally just unlock the door and people come to you. And like, you know, you, it's a different, different recruiters do different things in different areas. So it's really hard to teach that you don't really learn how to talk to your people or, you know, interact with your community until you're in that community and see how it, how it is in that area. So that part, I kind of like too. like if you do go somewhere else as a recruiter, it's a completely new experience almost in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, you whole new area and people like that. So that Mm -hmm. I do like that aspect of recruiting a lot.
0: Yeah. And again, super busy, super stressful at times, but Mm -hmm. you Sergeant bell decided to take it upon yourself as a recruiter to further your education. So on top of all the things that you're doing with physical fitness, recruiting at a high level in Illinois, you decide, you know what, let's, let's pile on a little more and let's go, (laughs) let's go try to get our master's degree. How, how is it possible that you can juggle all these things?
1: Um, again, it's not easy, but like I said, when, you know, when you first join, you don't know what you want to do. When I finally realized this is what I want to do. And, you know, when I get out of the military and stuff, um, I was just so like zoned in and honed in on, okay, this is what I want to do. I need to start taking the steps to do it. And once you get past kind of like the associate's degree, you actually focus more. It's not just general education, you know, you focus on what you're actually interested in. Yeah. Um, And for me, it's, my my goal is to own my own gym when I get out of the military. Nice. So that is kind of along the lines of, you know, competing, fitness and all that. So it's what I enjoy doing. So it really wasn't that difficult because it was all stuff that I, again, you enjoy doing and stuff. So
0: yep.
1: I just earned my master's, thankfully on January 1st was actually when my class ended and officially have it. And I went to AMU, American Military University, mm-hmm. which thankfully was kind of an online program and I could do it at your own pace. You know, it was just like, Hey, Mm -hmm. this week, this is what you have to do. And it's due by the end of the week. Yeah. So it wasn't like going into an actual classroom, having it set, I can work my classroom work around my job. So I could wait till the weekend, you know, and do all my classroom stuff, my schoolwork on the weekends, or, you know, wake up early, knock it out, or when I get done or on my lunch break. So that was very beneficial as well. Getting to kind of maneuver my classwork around recruiting instead Mm -hmm. of, well, I have a set time and, you know, place I have to be in my classroom. So that made it a lot easier as well.
0: Yeah. I I mean, when you told me that I started kind of putting all these things together, like, okay, she's, she's doing all this. Cause my sister is a, well, she was a competitive CrossFitter and I know how crazy her schedule was. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, Sergeant Bell's doing this competitive fitness. She's also recruiting, which is in my opinion, recruiting is one of, if not the most stressful jobs in the United States Air Force. It's also very rewarding, but stressful nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, pursuing a master's degree. I mean, that is unbelievably impressive. And Thank you.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's so, so cool. So kudos to you. I mean, I, I don't think I could do it. Um, <laughs> I... I have a hard time just working out, <laughs> let alone all those things. But yeah, January, well, you, congratulations.
1: Thank you. It it kind of is beneficial too, just because at the moment we don't have kids. So yeah. I, you know, when I get off of work and since my fiance is into the fitness and everything as well, it. Makes it easier, you know, having someone at home who's just yeah. as into it. And we, again, we don't have kids that we need to really focus on. So that now is kind of the time that we're allowed to be selfish, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have three right. children. So I am. Uh, Makes it a
1: little bit more difficult to have that free time. Yeah. yeah. For
0: sure. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap this up, I have a couple last questions that I like to ask every guest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one for you, Sergeant Bell, is. What is, over your 16-year career, what is some of the best advice that you have gotten that you will take with you for the rest of your life?
1: Good question. Honestly, and it's going to kind of sound weird, the best piece of advice I got was from a former supervisor where she said, make yourself replaceable. Um, Like I said, it sounds kind of weird when you say it like that, but if you don't, And essentially what she meant by that is teach others what you do know. Like, you know, this is when I was a medic. She was like, when you have new medics come in, teach them all your knowledge. Don't hoard it yourself, you know, obviously do other stuff to make yourself stand out, you know, go to school, do volunteer work and all that. But in terms of your job, tell other people how to do it, you know, share your wisdom, share your knowledge. So that way, when it comes time for you to focus on yourself, take leave, do all that other stuff you want to do you have other people that you can count on to replace you at the job or when you PCS or do something. So in a sense, make yourself replaceable, teach other people, the knowledge and stuff that you know. So when she first told it to me, I kind of looked at her sideways, like, why would I want to do that? But it makes sense. You know, you want other people, you know, you want the place that you work at to still have a part of you, I guess, you know, and
0: for sure. If you're just
1: putting it all on you, you know, you're not going to get any time to focus on yourself and take care of you. So
0: exactly. Yeah. It definitely sounds like a negative connotation, but
1: it does,
0: (laughs) but it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Like you can't focus on, on bettering yourself if you are constantly, um,
1: the the go-to person for work and stuff. Yeah. 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 So So if you share your knowledge and share all that stuff with other people, you, also get the time to just kind of relax and focus on yourself, what you think is going to make you better, you know, for yourself again. So yeah. I thought yeah. that was pretty good advice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And the last question that I have is let's say I am a brand new airman. I mm-hmm. decide to join the Air Force. I just walked through the gateway to the Air Force at Lackland. I'm rip roaring and ready to go. And I sit down with Tech Sergeant Bell. What kind of advice are you going to give a brand new airman?
1: Um, Honestly, take advantage of anything and everything you can. Um, Anything comes your way, just like say yes to it. Look into everything. I think the Air Force or the military in general has so many opportunities that a lot of people aren't even aware of until you join. You know, Um, like the cool program we have to pay for credentials and stuff. Had no idea about that until, you know, a little bit ago. So Mm -hmm. just little experience, actually ask questions like what, ask everyone in your work center, what has the Air Force done for you? Or, you know, what kind of things could you advise or anything? So just take everything you can and use it. Like the outdoor rec, you know, has so many different opportunities for kids. If you're attached to that, like I said, your education, your VA home loan, like there's so much stuff out there for you when you join the military that you don't realize unless you ask. So just take advantage of it completely. Typically, if there's something you're interested in, the air force can probably help you out in one way or another. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's awesome advice. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish I would have done that more in my, mm-hmm. time, especially being on a base, but yeah, yeah, that, that's amazing. Uh, but especially a, Oh no, no, yeah. go ahead. Keep going.
1: Oh no. I was just going to say like my first duty station in DC, like again, I turned 21 there. I had a f- different set of what i you know focused on <laughs> yeah um but i didn't realize that a lot of the monuments and museums like offered free tours to military
0: yeah didn't know
1: that until i left and i was like oh, i did not take advantage of that at all you know yeah um so it's just little things like that that you don't think of at the time but like looking back i'm like i definitely should have taken advantage of it because it was free for me to do so yeah, why not for sure, for sure. so yeah
0: Awesome. Well, I think that that's it. Sarbel, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate hearing your story. That, That was awesome.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, that is it for us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Air Power Hour. Take care, friends.